welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. Got your copy of God's Word. Let me invite you to find the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter Now, you didn't think you were going to come to a Christmas presentation and not get a sermon, did you? You weren't just coming to hear singing. Now, I got word right in between the two services, and I don't know if uh, this uh, person is still here or not, but I got word in between the services that uh, there was a lady that has been watching our live stream since the days of COVID back in 2020 when all of that craziness was going on and the difficulty of those days. But she started watching our live stream. And this morning, she drove up from Birmingham, Alabama to hear the Christmas presentation for the choir. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Is the fellow that relayed this message to me said she came to hear our choir sing. (laughs) I thought, (laughs) <laughs> y'all see what I have to put up with but praise the Lord for that amen if you got your Bible let's find Luke chapter 1 and in just a moment I'll begin reading in verse 46 and I want to preach a message on this subject today Mary's song Mary's song from Luke chapter One, if you've been here over the last several weeks, we have been systematically making our way through the first chapter of Luke, and next week we will find ourselves in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, and Dr. Luke goes to great lengths to ensure that he captured the details of this story. He gives us a great detail of the Christmas story, and especially Mary's song. So you'll remember as we got into this study, we saw Zechariah and Elizabeth, the two that were greatly devoted to the Lord. Zechariah, who was in his place there at the temple, devoted to his calling. And the word tells us that although they were two that were greatly devoted to the Lord Jesus, they found themselves in a difficult situation. Elizabeth was well stricken in years, the Bible says. She was barren, and it would have been quite a reproach on a young lady or or a lady in that culture to not be able to bear children. So a devoted couple found themselves in a difficult situation, but we know that the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah and said, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a child. She's going to conceive and she's going to bring forth a baby. And that baby we know would be six months older than Jesus. And that would be John the Baptist. We then saw the account of Gabriel making his way to Mary. And he made the announcement to Mary that she was going to have the savior of the world. She was going to conceive and bring forth Jesus whose name means Jehovah is salvation. And then Mary asks a very appropriate question when the angel Gabriel says to her, you're going to have a child. She says, how can this be, seeing that I have known not a man? And the angel said to her, 
that the Holy Ghost will come upon thee and the power of the Most High will overshadow thee. And Mary has just gotten some of the greatest news ever delivered, but can you imagine the emotions of a 13, 14, 15-year-old girl that has just gotten that message? As we continue our study this morning, Mary makes her way to the home of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And we saw last week that when Mary made her way into the house and she greeted Elizabeth, Elizabeth made this statement. When the baby in my womb heard your salutation, he began to leap and he leapt with joy, the Bible says. And John the Baptist was in the presence of Jesus, both of them in the womb, and John the Baptist just began to leap for joy. And I think that's a good word for a bunch of Baptists on a rainy Sunday morning. Amen. Does it seem to you that it rains every Sunday morning these days? My goodness. But on a rainy Sunday morning, if John the Baptist from inside the womb got into the presence of Jesus and he began to have a good time, he began to leap for joy, that ought to be a good word to you and I today. That there ought to be some joy about us at this time of year. So Mary makes her way there to Elizabeth and they begin to have a conversation. We find ourselves at verse 46 this morning. It's Mary's song or the Magnificat but hear what one commentator said about Mary's song. He said, when you read the lyrics of Mary's song, you sniff the power of dynamite. This is a powerful passage of scripture. And I want us this morning to not just gloss over Mary's song, but may we dive in to this passage and hear what thus saith the Lord to you today. Let's stand together and read Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 46. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary's song is filled, pointing us to Jesus, pointing us to the Lord, pointing us to the Savior. If you'll go through this passage and circle every time she says he, 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 him, his, she makes it all about the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we study the scriptures that you've assigned to us this morning, May you, Heavenly Father, challenge and change us through your word is our prayer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Truly, we have been 
blessed this morning by our choir, our praise team, our praise band, the orchestra. Man, I love when the orchestra is up here, our sound guys, lighting guys. There's a lot of work that goes into making this happen, but we've certainly enjoyed some incredible singing, and it seems that singing just kind of goes along with this time of year. Many of you probably have a Christmas playlist that you pull up and listen while you're in the car or doing whatever you're doing. And you've got a Christmas playlist. It's got stuff like Joy to the World, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, The First Noel, Silent Night. Some of you worldly people got, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. And you enjoying that? But you know, there's a playlist in the scriptures. Some have suggested that the angels sang. Others suggest that Simeon sang. But today, God has assigned us Mary's song. And as Mary and Elizabeth enjoy this visit together, Mary's words are absolutely powerful. There's three things I want you to see about this song. Number one, it was a song of the scriptures. It was a song of the scriptures. There's several things that Mary's going to teach us here in this passage, but one of the things that we learn is that Mary has a very high view of God and a very high view of his word. Mary, most believe, is somewhere between the ages of 13, 14, or 15. She's a teenage girl that has just gotten word from an angel that she's going to experience an immaculate conception and she's going to bring forth the savior of the world. And when she speaks, scripture proceeds from her mouth. Now, if you take notes, I'm going to try to go through this where you can write it down. If not, maybe we'll post it somewhere later. But I want you to listen to this. Mary begins to speak in verse 46. And in verse 46, it is a restatement of Psalm 34. Verse 47 is Psalm 35 and verse 9. Verse 48 is Psalm 138 and verse 6. Verse 49 is Psalm 22.3. Verse 50 is Psalm 103.17. It's a direct quote. Verse 51 comes from Psalm 98 and verse 1. Verse 52 comes from Job chapter 5 and verse 11. And Genesis and verse 55 comes straight out of Genesis chapter 5. You say, Pastor, why is that so important? Lean in and listen to your pastor here. This is a young teenage girl that would not have owned a copy of the scriptures. It's not, it wasn't in that culture like it is today where everybody has a copy of God's word. She would have heard the scriptures read at the temple. There would have been maybe a few people in that day that would have had a copy outside of the temple. And Mary would not have owned a copy of God's word and in the midst of a dark culture, she allows her light to shine. And I have to believe that she grew up in a home where the word was honored. Where reading the word, memorizing the word was something that was important in her household. 
The only explanation for this is that when she speaks and the word of God proceeds from her lips is that she grew up in a Deuteronomy 6 home. We're at her rising and when she lied down, there was the importance of reading the scriptures. She didn't have a commentary. She, she, she didn't have notes. When she got squeezed, scripture came out. Because what's inside of you when you get squeezed is what comes out. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18 says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. So here's a teenage girl who's just gotten word that she's going to have an immaculate conception, bring forth the savior of the world. And the first thing out of her mouth is what? Scripture, the word of God. I dare say that every person in this worship center has a copy of the Word of God. Here's a young lady that would not have had her own personal copy of the Word of God, yet when she spoke Scripture. So let me ask you a question. How many verses you got memorized? How much time do you spend honoring the God of the word and the word of God. How many of us just neglect the fact that we have the most powerful book that has ever been drafted, written by the Holy Ghost of God as he moved upon men to pin this down and we take this thing for granted. And when we get squeezed, everything except scripture seems to come out of our mouth. But for this young girl, It was a song of the scriptures. God was moving in an unusual way in Mary's life. And when she spoke about it, her words were saturated with the scriptures. It was a song of the scriptures. Secondly, it was a song of the sovereign. Notice what she says in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. She acknowledges that there's a sovereign God that has a plan for her life. He's the one in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells, yet he took upon himself the form of a servant made in our own likeness. He's the one that spoke the universe into existence, but humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He's the light of the world, yet he hung in darkness. He's the water of life, yet... There on the cross of Calvary, he cried out, I thirst. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, yet he was led as a slam to the, to the slaughter. He was the ancient of days, yet one day he became a babe in Bethlehem's manger. And Mary knew that a sovereign God of the universe had a plan for her life. And she said this, my soul doth magnify exalt the Lord. Now, this is a very strong word in the Greek language. It means to, 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 to lift high, to, to, to hard, highly regard, to lift up, to exalt. It tells us that Mary lifted the name of God above every name. She's just gotten some of the most difficult news maybe anybody could ever gotten, some of the craziest news maybe, life-changing news from the, God, from the angel Gabriel. 
She didn't exactly know all that would happen in her life. She didn't yet know how Joseph was going to respond. She didn't yet know how culture would treat her in the days ahead. I can only imagine the emotions that Mary is experiencing at this moment as she has been revealed this message and she sits down with her cousin Elizabeth and, and she begins to speak and she says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And while there were so many things that she did not know, there was something that she did know and she knew the Lord was in this. And she would not magnify her situation. She would magnify a sovereign God. Now, it would have been very easy to have magnified the situation. Oh, Elizabeth, you ain't going to believe this. Oh, Elizabeth, how in the world? Uh -uh. She magnified the Lord who was authoring every detail of her life. She would not magnify her situation. She would magnify the sovereign. And she understood exactly what we talked about last week is that God has a plan for your life and his plan is so much better than our plan. And she knew that God had a plan for her. How did she know that? Because she's a woman of the scriptures, a student of the word. And so in an unusual situation, in an unknown situation, she just said, I'm going to lift up the name. I'm going to magnify the name of the Lord. If she was going to magnify something, it would have been easy to put the magnifying glass on herself. It would have been easy to put the magnifying glass on her situation. But she just magnified the sovereign. Can I say something to you this morning? When you magnify the Lord Jesus, when you exalt the Lord Jesus, when you lift his name above every name, when it's no longer about you and it's always about him, you'll find yourself in verse 47. Because as a result of exalting the name of the Lord, as a result of lifting high the Lord's name, here's what happens in verse 47. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Oh, it's a song of the scriptures. It's a song of the sovereign but it's a song of the Savior. She begins to magnify the Lord and it causes her to rejoice. Often when we consider our situations, we recoil. But when we look at the Savior, it causes us to rejoice. This is another very intense word in the language that means to rejoice with exceedingly great joy. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, Isaiah 61 and verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Mary magnifies the Lord. She's not making it about herself. And as she exalts the Lord, she finds herself in a place of rejoicing. And she's rejoicing over three things. Number one, she's rejoicing over the fact that she was redeemed. 
Now notice what she says in verse 47. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God. What's those next two words? My Savior. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. There's a big difference between my Savior and the Savior. She's got a personal relationship with God. Now, let's make sure doctrinally we all understand Mary. Because I told you a couple of weeks ago that sometimes there are two extremes when it comes to Mary. Some put too much importance on Mary that Jesus takes a back seat. It's too extreme. Some don't regard her highly enough and she's just another person. Hey, she was chosen to bring the savior of the world into the world. But Mary rejoices over the fact she's been redeemed. You see, she was a sinner that needed to experience salvation as well. Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so Mary was just like one of us, but yet she was a woman of high character that walked with God. But she too needed to experience the grace of God. And her immaculate conception did not vaccinate her from sin. But there was a time that Mary came to a saving knowledge of God. So here's the question before us today. Have you came and have you come to that same saving knowledge of God? You can say he's the savior of the world and you can sing he's the savior of the world. But can you say he's my savior? Because he's a personal savior. Because we will all personally stand before him. And if you don't know him today, can I tell you a quick story about a man named Adam and Eve that he and his wife were there in the garden and they were told that they could have everything except that one tree. And we know they transgressed God's commands and when they did, sin entered into the world. And we have all inherited that sin nature from Grandpa Adam. How do you know you've inherited a sin nature? Well, nobody ever had to teach you how to lie. Nobody ever had to teach you how to steal. Nobody ever had to teach you how to cheat. You were born knowing how to do those things. That's your sin nature. And so because we have sinned, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That means spiritual death. That means that because of our sin, we have earned separation from God for all of eternity in a place called hell. That's what we, every one of us, deserve. But Romans 5, 8 says that God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he came and lived a perfect life that we couldn't live, died the death that we should have died, but he died in our place. And the Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. So that means this morning, if you're here and you're lost, Jesus came to seek and to save you this morning, amen? And so you don't have to check off some religious box. You don't have to uh, uh, do these religious rituals. You just repent of your, of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because the work of salvation is already done. It is finished at the work and in the work of Jesus on the cross. So this morning, if you believe he's the Savior, but he's not yet my savior. 
How about today? In just a few moments, we'll give an invitation. You come forward, we'll take the word of God and show you how you can leave today saying this, Jesus is my savior. And let me tell you about rejoicing. You'll rejoice in the fact that knowing your name is in the book. Listen, the, the, the disciples went out. Jesus sent the disciples out and they came back and they said, Jesus, even the, the, the demons obey our voice. And, and Jesus said, don't you rejoice in any of that. Here's what you need to rejoice in. Rejoice in the fact that your name is recorded in heaven. So if your name's recorded in heaven today, we ought to be like Mary right here as she begins to sing and rejoice that he is my savior. She rejoiced because she was redeemed. Secondly, she rejoiced because she was regarded. Notice verse 48. You got to get this. If you've turned me off, turn me back on. You got to get this. Watch this verse 48. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. Did you hear that? He's regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. That word handmaiden could also be bond slave, bond servant. Mary, the one chosen to bring Jesus into the world, says, you've regarded my low estate. Here's what that suggests to me, is that when you have the right view of God, you'll have the right view of self. A high view of God will cause you to have a humble view of self. If anybody up to this point has arrived, it'd be Mary. If anybody had a reason to strut just a little bit, it'd be Mary. But Mary has the right view of God and the right view of God has given her a right view of herself. She says, he hath regarded. Man, that, that, that is a powerful word. That word means to set your gaze upon. She says, the, the Lord has set his gaze upon me as if I am the only one. And being saved should not make any of us prideful. It should make every single one of us humble. Because we realize that he has set his gaze upon us, not because of anything we've done, but because of his good grace. Now put in my notes here, we shouldn't have any peacock Christians. Well, you flip the TV and find a bunch of them, amen? But Mary is teaching us something here. That the right view of God will give us the right view of ourselves. Man, who, who better could have magnified her situation and magnified herself? She said, I'm, I'm a bond, I'm a handmaiden. 
the low estate. What do you remember when he set his gaze upon you and it was as if you were the only one? She caused us to rejoice. She rejoiced because she was redeemed. She was regarded, but she was rewarded. Look at verse 48. Look at verse 48. Or let's go to 49. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Mary is speaking here of this immaculate conception. And she's acknowledging that all of this is only possible with God. That God not only has a plan for her life, but God has the power to bring about his plan. You've come here today wondering what tomorrow holds. Maybe you just need to be reminded who holds tomorrow. Because there's a sovereign God that's got a plan for your life. And he's got the power to bring it about. The word mighty there speaks of his power. The word holy there speaks of his purity. And God's will for my life and your life is resting in his power and in his purity. And every single one of us should be able to lift our voices with Mary and say, he has done to me great things. Holy is his name. You say, pastor, he's done great things. Let me tell you, there was a time in my life, according to Ephesians chapter two, that I was dead in my trespasses and in my sin. And Jesus came by my way, revealed my lost condition to me. He he revealed to me that I was headed for a crisis eternity. And then I repented of my sins, put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He saved my soul, amen. Not only did he save me, but along the way, he's doing a sanctifying work in my life. And it's not me that's doing the sanctifying, man. It's the sovereign God of the universe that loves me and gave himself for me. Yes, he saved me. He's sanctifying me. And one of these days, he's gonna return. He's coming to get us, amen. You say, has he done great? things for you. Let me tell you, he saved my soul, gave me a wonderful mama and a wonderful daddy that taught me the word of God, that made coming to church an important thing, gave me a great brother that I dearly love, gave me the woman of my dreams, gave me wonderful children that love Jesus, gave me a wonderful family, gave me just a wonderful church where God Almighty is worshiped every single day. I lift my voice with Mary and say, I am nothing but a lowly servant of the holy God, but he's done great things to me. Praise his holy name. You too this morning, if you've been saved by God's grace, you ought to lift your voice with Mary and say, he's done great things for me. Because if you've been saved, he's also doing a sanctifying work in your life and he's bringing about his plan for your life. So I just submit to him. I wouldn't magnify my situation. I wouldn't magnify self. I would just put the magnifying glass on the one who is worthy of worship and his name is Jesus. My soul doth magnify the Lord. So here's the invitation. 
Many of you this morning, the Lord's done great things to you. And at Christmas time, we give and receive gifts, but Jesus gave you the greatest gift ever in salvation. It may be you want to find a spot on an altar and just tell him thank you for the great gift, the unspeakable gift of salvation. It could be that as we have walked through this passage this morning, Mary has challenged you. That as you look over the past year and take an inventory of the amount of time you've spent with the scriptures, and how many verses you've been able to commit to memory that Mary has challenged you that when she found herself in a tight situation and she got squeezed the scriptures just came out and you may want to fall on an altar today and say Lord the best way I know how in this upcoming year I want to commit some verses to memory and I want to spend some time in your word like I haven't in this past year. See, God's the God of a brand new start. And maybe through this simple message today, God's just challenged you to be in the word more than you've ever been in the word. It could be today that we've just been reminded that to have a high view of God is to have a humble view of self because none of us have arrived. And then finally, the invitation is this. Boy, it seems like life has blown up for you. Can you imagine what Mary thought? But God's plan for your life is so much better than you could ever imagine. And maybe you want to fall on an altar this morning and just say, Lord, it does seem like things have blown up. But I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to exalt you because you've got the power to bring it to pass. As we stand to our feet, we'll have pastors here across the front. Pastor Colin will be here. Pastor, Hay or Pastor Phil will be over here. I'll be here in the center. If you need somebody to pray with you, we're here. If you need to be saved, just put your hand in one of ours and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. But whatsoever he says to you, do it. Lord Jesus, we pray now that the sweet Holy Spirit would bring conviction during this time of invitation. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You come as we sing. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.